Hey, party people, thank you for tuning in to The Sacred Spot. The Sacred Spot seeks to provide a brave, open, welcome, and affirming space for Black faith practitioners and higher ed professionals that help us to develop restorative practices rooted in healing and wholeness from an African diaspora center perspective. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Right, y'all. It is our first week. This is our launch episode. We don't really know what we're doing, but we're gonna figure it out as we go. Come on, amen, somebody. So we're gonna introduce ourselves right quick so that you can know who we are, who you're talking to, what context we're coming out of, and then we're gonna just introduce the concept of this podcast, what we're hoping to talk about, some things we're hoping to explore, and maybe even why we named it as such. So, Dustin, you wanna go first? You go ahead, Rev. All right. Well, I am Raquel. I am a native South Carolinian. If you have not heard it in my twang, (laughs) now you know that that's where the twang comes from. Currently in uh, Clinton, South Carolina, which have a lot of um, interesting thoughts about that. But you know, you got to bloom where you planted. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Such as Latinx Heritage Month, Black History Month, and other sorts. I also supervise our student volunteer services. So all of our service projects, our MLK Day services, all of those things that are just around philanthropy and civic engagement, that is really my jam. And I enjoy doing it. But honestly, I don't do much. The students do much of the work, much of the haul. They are brilliant young people. And so I'm just glad that they kind of just let me tag along and let me get paid to do so. Amen. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that um that we are doing this together. So go ahead, Pig, now. You can hold off for long enough. All right, all right. Uh, Dustin Pickett, I am a native North Carolinian, so you're also going to hear that sir, Southern twang from me. I am this country as they come. This is my uh, second year as the campus minister for Christian diversity and ecumenical ministry. You got to really take a deep breath before you say that title. Um, and so I am responsible for working with our Catholic, uh, our Christian Protestant community, excuse me. Mm. So students who uh, come from various Protestant backgrounds. So be they mainline. Break down Protestant. Be they mainline, right. Be they mainline Protestant. So like American Baptist, United Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, et cetera, or um, coming from, I guess, more evangelical traditions. So even students who are identifying themselves as, you know, Pentecostal, more charismatic, or uh, Southern Baptist, non-denominational. It's all in the mix, and we'll talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, lead that effort. Working also advising our religious student organizations that are also on campus and identifying themselves in one of those Protestant Christian traditions, so mainly Kai, Alsa, and Crew, in addition to serving some other organizations, Alpha Phi Alpha as an assistant advisor. I do a lot of work with our, with my focus being on Christian diversity, I do a lot of the diversity work with our multicultural office, um, doing work with them as well, but we will talk about it, and there is a lot to talk about. I know that's right. So how how is COVID settling on our campuses? I think that is kind of the question we always get. We get text messages about we are in the group chat trying to process all of this or <laughs> not. You know, how is COVID uh, affecting UD? What are you seeing in your students? Yeah, well, at the current moment, we are on a level four. So what that is for us is a warning level. 
Um, level five means that we evacuate. So we're um, at this moment trying to figure out ways to uh, kind of catch and correct to figure out how we can continue going on with classes. So uh, we started classes last week and at current, all of our classes up until I believe September the 10th or so, maybe the 15th, are held online. So we're keeping students uh, doing virtual learning. All of our in-person day-to-day operations have been suspended for more virtual platforms. And so we, we brought students back and, you know, trying everything that we could to prepare for, you know, this kind of new way of being <laughs> that we're under. And even in all the preparation that took place, we were not able to keep the amount of folk who had contracted the virus down. So that's what we're looking at right now and trying to figure out how to navigate this bad boy because students are going to be students, <laughs> right? So and how many, about how many students is it? Uh, we have, I think, somewhere around 10,000 students. I don't know how many are currently on campus. It's not that not that many on campus, but I think that's like our overall enrollment is around 10K. A good deal of our students who have decided to do um, virtual learning for this semester, so they decided not to come back. And then we have the students who have decided to come back. I think I want to I want to get wrong information, but we might have somewhere around 4,500 students on campus. Mm. Um, and of that, we probably have about a little close to about 700 cases, be that confirmed positive or I've come in contact with someone who might. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. How has it been working? Reverend, you know. (laughs) (laughs) For you a drink. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this thing is, it's different than anything I've ever seen. I think that any of us have ever seen, but it's a lot. I, I really feel for our housing staff those who are working in student development, who are, you know, even closely, um, more closely connected to students than I am or more student facing than, than my role, because uh, I know that they are swamped. So they're, you know, asking us to volunteer as contact tracers and to patrol our student neighborhoods. So we have a very large residential population. The majority of our students live on campus. And so having to kind of walk through the neighborhoods and mm-hmm. make sure, hey, get y'all asses inside and put your mask on. <laughs> having to do stuff like that. I can't say that. I'm sorry. Um, but that's what we got to do. <laughs> so what, like, how, how is it going? What are y'all seeing? Oh, it's, I mean, I will say the blessing for as much as I, you know, I complain about, you know, Lord, why did you put me on your backside? What did I do? But I guess one of the benefits of that is that it has been such an insular place that <laughs> being able to get anywhere, uh, you know, to where these large pockets of it has hit um, is about a 45 minute to an hour drive. Mm-hmm. Or whatnot. And so for the most part, at least these past three weeks, we brought students back on the 10th, I think, and started classes on the 17th. We have seen a smaller number of cases than many of the larger institutions in the state, but that is not at all to say that it's not affected students because, you know, so many, so much of the media is just focusing on who tests positive, but just like what you just said, it can shift the entire campus if one person has exposed 10 people. Right. And you have 10 people that you got to put in quarantine. And so what I've seen a lot from students is just the real trauma of all of the transition. Many of them are really struggling to settle in into the semester. Um, They're struggling with how to get comfortable with, you know, 
just how to just relax and just know that they'll be here because who knows, you know, you could just be sitting in your room. I have, you know, a student actually say that, you know, like I was literally sitting in my room about to go do my laundry. And all of a sudden I get an email saying that I have to go to the quarantine housing. And this is be my second time. So, you know, when I, so they're not really, they, they feel like their whole world is in flux, you know, so much. And so that part I'm, you know, I'm really wrestling with, with students because it's very hard to get them to want to do any programming. It's kind of difficult to, you know, to get them to settle into classes a bit and settle into their work and just settle into the space of being here. You know, the institution is really trying to forge forward, I guess. I think that's the differences in our institutions. We're, you know, trying to, I guess, stay on campus. Much of the rhetoric here uh, is that if we do just dismiss students, um, that we then dump the problem onto the community, which I don't know. I feel like you kind of brought the problem <laughs> to the community. Right. <laughs> you made the decision to come back. But, you know, I mean, tomato, tomato, I guess. Um, I think the big thing is, like you say, it's just clear that no matter what precautions you take, it is really just something that uh, once it gets kind of on your campus, once it kind of gets into your environment, it just kind of takes a life of its own. It's and done, what you're right? seeing is that, yeah, and what, you know, again, like you say, even if you don't have a, a large amount of cases, just the effects of COVID-19 on college, I just don't, you know, college will never be the same for some people. And it will be years. Have? We have about a thousand, so, okay. um, or whatnot. And so far, the cumulative cases, I think, that are on the site, on the website are about, you know, less than 20 or whatnot. Okay. We may hit 20 soon or whatnot. So it has not been a large amount, but the, definitely the quarantine piece, I think, has been a it's been overwhelming for students, particularly for students who, so many students I work with, like I said, I named some of the communities that I work with. So I work with a lot of students who are already housing insecure. So when they kind of, you know, come back to college and are really like, I got my, you know, student apartment or, I, you know, I have this space in the residence hall, the idea that all of that can be uprooted is just very difficult for them. And that quarantine space, many of them are already making the jokes about it being prison. Oh. When, you know, there's no TV there, there's no microwave no refrigerator you just looking at cinder block walls for 14 days until you can come back out and so really thinking about the effects that we're going to see in the months to come from that yeah you know? and especially when right so much of the undergraduate the undergraduate experience is right selling the experience yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when you're telling students like this is the reason why you should come to college because of the experiences that you will obtain the social aspects, the relationships, the networking, et cetera. But then you have something like this that, you know, comes and completely shifts that. And I think a lot of students are hitting against that. I've, the most consistent thing that I have coming up from students is like, you know, we can't function the way that we normally function. I want to be with my yes. friends. I want to see my folks. We're like, I get it. And <laughs> exactly. <Nah. right? laughs> you know, yeah, it's a couple of my the holler like, look, you can FaceTime me text, chat, do whatever. Just don't come out of that room or whatnot. That's right? real. In that quarantine, just come outside. Like, just yeah, playing with you. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking uh, right now. So my numbers, I got an update because I said somewhere around 700 at current. We have 1,042 total okay, cases. Okay, so y'all peaked the 1,000 yeah, mark. we went past that. We have 403 who recovered and then 639 active cases. Okay, well, that is good because you know down here, you know, at the University of South Carolina is 1,000 active right now. Wow. 1,000 active cases. Wow. And they've had to quarantine, I think, like six Greek houses 
And that's becoming a thing too. I know, you know, we was just saying we was going to talk at random. This is basically what the podcast is going to be about. It's going to be about <laughs> what we want to talk about. <laughs> um, you better but, talk to somebody if we're going <laughs> to. But one thing that, you know, I think we've even talked about this a little bit in our personal conversations is the punitive nature that's going to be associated now yeah. with this thing. Because even the way the media is framing it at a lot of these schools, you know, now you got students being suspended. You got um, students going through student conduct. And then you got, you know, these actual organizations that are being suspended off campus and quarantined. Or whatnot. And so it's almost like, I don't know, our administration, you know, they're finding ways to make it seem like it's completely student, your students being irresponsible, trying to really find a blame, quote unquote, for it, or whatnot, um, and almost putting, you know, language of punishment towards it. Right. And so I'm just, you know, concerned about the effects that that's going to have even long term. And is that really even fair to do, you right. know? Of in a pandemic, right, or not something that we knew was going to ultimately happen. So we're seeing that a lot down here, where they're basically, you know, if if it's happening, they're completely blaming it on students and suspending students, and nobody is really saying, well, administratively, should we do something differently? Listen, we're gonna we, we're gonna uh, shoot straight and tell the truth on here because it's called <laughs> go ahead and shoot the sacred spot. It. <laughs> it's called it's a sacred, sacred spot, right? And that's in sacred. It, it, the part of sacredness is telling the truth, ain't it? It is um, truth telling. Listen, I don't understand how we. I'm I'm gonna say we, right? This is as, as grown adults who are administrators and faculty and staff, but mainly our administrators came to the conclusion that it was it was advantageous to bring mm-hmm. students back to campus, students who are still in the developmental stages mentally. Absolutely. Right. Students who we we know how they behave on a on a normal basis, right? They're college mm-hmm. students. They're Absolutely. you know 17, 18, 19, they do what college students should do, right? And are going to do. Absolutely. So how we thought it was a good idea to bring them back at this time, I don't know. But if we're going to do that, right, to try to give students the experiences and, and an opportunity to further their education in a communal way, right, with big asterisks around that or quotes around that, then we have to be real with what the what, what, what could possibly happen. And we're seeing it, right? Students are going Absolutely. to go out and do what they're going to do. And so they're going like, to drink, they're going to have sex, they're going to go right. to the restaurant, they're going to, you know. <laughs> all of it, all of it, you know. At our school, every weekend, our students are in the neighborhood on their porches drinking Miller Lite and High Life and whatever else they want to drink, right? So to Mm -hmm. think that they were going to come back and just because it's a pandemic, not do that. When we got grown folk, (laughs) like grown folk. That's what I was going to say, because the real stressors, number one, and that's what I, you know, just keep having to even ground myself and center myself, because the real stressors that I have felt just as a staff member here in the past few weeks, and this past week in particular, or whatnot, and I ain't had to take the first class, <laughs> or whatnot, you go, you literally got students who they are doing the hybrid thing here, where you can have, you know, your in-person class ends at 1050, and your online class starts at 11 o'clock. Okay. Not, so you got to run <laughs> from the <laughs> academic building to your dorm, sit down, do up your computer and stuff. And so they're like, yes, yeah, like and when you got all of that going on or whatnot, are you going to want to, you know, get you some skins? Are you going to have your little sex? Of course. <laughs> like, 
knocking, knocking, knocking the boots. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you doggone skippy. It's I a high-stress time. Right. When the, and people, you know, in high-stress times, you know, people are looking for ways to relieve stress. They're looking for ways to decompress. And so in some of that, like you say, we kind of expected, I feel like the expectation was that people would come back and be robots. Right. Um, and that was nobody's expectation, but that was the expectation we put out. Oh, now we knew it wasn't a realistic expectation, but we put it out just so we can get students invested enough, or parents, I should say, just so we can get parents invested enough to allow their students to come back. Yeah, and, right. um, and, you know, it's just like, yeah, I feel like this is such a high stress environment that, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm grateful that the little bit of activity we, we are seeing is just that little bit of activity. I'm honestly expecting in the weeks and months to come, it might be worse. I don't know yeah. what drug habits, you know, what, I feel like people are going to be doing anything they can to escape because people are tired. Like it's been exhausting. Right. It's just been an exhausting year, you know? And not, not just right with the pandemic, but when you look at all the other sociopolitical things that oh, are happening, yes, honey. right? We got Chadwick done went to be with the ancestors. Oh, got, Jesus, listen, the memorial was today, honey. All this stuff happening left and right. And there's so much, I feel like there's, they're, we're grieving in so many different ways, it is. not just because of a pandemic, but like the political crisis at hand, right? All these deaths and like, it's so much happening that we're grieving and grieving and grieving. And we're not, yes. I'm not necessarily seeing enough opportunity oh. to put in place to sift through that, right? No, not <laughs> at all. Through what we're, what we're seeing. Yeah, so since this is a a podcast really about healing, is it is like what you know, what practices are you thinking about implementing, even in in your office and your role as the campus minister or not to help you know, to to help your community sift through this moment or not? You know, I'm seeing that as a difficult as a struggle. I feel like people just came back and it was business as usual, and I even find myself falling into that trap sometimes. And I have to sit there and remind myself, Raquel, these are students who are in school in a pandemic girl adjust these expectations so i would love to hear about some stuff that you you're planning on doing so i'll talk both what i'm doing on a professional level and then what i'm having to do personally because i think both are yes equally important so on a professional level i think in terms of the programming that i have normal normally done i've had to scale back on that a great deal to realize that our students are having to sit in front of the screen now more than they ever have, right? And so I think it's important to be cognizant of that and to adjust as as needed. So the only things that I am doing at the current moment are student check-ins, right? And that's on an appointment basis. So of course they need somebody to talk to, pastoral care and counseling. So that is what I'm continuing. We're doing our worship services on Sunday, so I'm still keeping that going, and then a talk back, calling it like a sermon talk back that we do on Tuesday evening. So um, those are the only three things that I am doing other than holding like virtual office hours. Another thing that I am doing is encouraging my students to rest mm-hmm. to the extent that they can, right? And one way I'm doing that is is by not giving them another thing to do. <laughs> Listen, I, I can't put another thing on your docket there's too much for you to do. Go home, sleep. Mm-hmm. Check in with me if you need to, um, mm-hmm. and we'll go from there. And then trying to provide resources, right, that are encouraging them to, to get the rest and renewal that they need. 
What are you doing personally for you? Personally, listen, I've had to go and sign up for these virtual counseling sessions. Yes, couch um, ministry, couch listen, ministry. Because I've been around here looking like Miss Sophia <laughs> <laughs> rocking in the corner. <laughs> I sat in that jail. I sat in that jail and about to rock. Listen, a fool. It, is so, it is so serious. So I've had to sign up for, um, you know, go back to this virtual counseling. They, they ain't sponsoring us yet, so I ain't going to uh, plug uh, the service I use, but no, I yeah. might, you know, but they give us. Some we money. are looking for sponsors. <laughs> we need all the coins we can get in this pandemic. Come well, on. We, the first episode talking about we're looking for sponsors. Um, <laughs> I've had to do that. I've had to just. Uh, I, I'm going. You know, a combination of jogging, running, walking depends on how I'm feeling on that day. I'm trying to make myself do that. Getting back to my my normal process of cooking when I feel like it and mm-hmm. playing some records, right? So right now, uh, I got Marvin Gaye um, sitting on my uh, record okay. player. Let me tell you, you that. Album, record? I'm listening to Characters by Stevie Wonder. That's what I got on. Um, okay. I had Marvin Gaye on yesterday. I just switched this out. What's this right here? Side one, I'm just tell you a real. Side one, we got You Will Know, Dark and Lovely, mm-hmm. In Your Corner, With Each Beat of My Heart, One of a Kind. So I've been spinning my records, y'all know. And um, occasional little drink here and there. That's stuff. <laughs> what you been? What's your sip? What What do you mix it up? Right now, I got cranberry and crown apple. Okay, so, come on, that's yeah. good. Crown apple is what you know. What What, what I'm spending. What about you, Will? What you doing down there in Clinton? I'm trying to think with the students. Um, it has really been. You know, I can. My supervisor, who was the lead chaplain, she left. Um, the week of orientation uh so she took a position in tennessee so honestly this past month has really been just reassuring students that the whole office is not gonna go up in smoke so many of them just assumed that i would be leaving too <laughs> um and that i would not be here or whatever so like no y'all i'm over i'm, I'm over here we're gonna <laughs> like, we go sift through this oh and so it's really been getting a lot of those students um situated in many of their student groups or whatnot you know so mm. now like I say, it was so long to get them to start stuff because they was just like, I'm scared we're going to get sent back home. So yeah. they have started it. You know, we have our weekly uh, Bluefish, which is our uh, pastoral care piece that we do. And they That's do a thing called Fish. Bluefish because we okay. are the blue holes. So Got the Bluefish okay, okay, okay. like a lifeline. We're not. We're here to catch you. It's corny. Oh, but I, like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but they do a weekly conversation called Fish Bowl on Tuesday nights. Our spectrum LGBTQ group or whatnot, they've started meeting weekly in which that is such a healing space for those students who are just kind of in the Bible Belt, many of them exploring so much around sexuality and what that means here. So I'm I'm always kind of intentional about making sure they start because like they need to meet. Our multicultural student union, they've started meeting as well. So, you know, a lot of black students that have come here, you know, that's the space that they look out for. And we recently just brought on the NAACP on campus. Um, oh, beautiful. Which seems to be going well. Or when I, you know, the NAACP can go left or right. But um, Ooh, yeah, but don't I know about it. We go hush. But <laughs> they seem, they seem to be flourishing. Right. <laughs> Shut up, baby. <laughs> the young lady who is um the young lady who is serving as the president who started, she's excellent. And she's doing some amazing work around voter registration. I think there's gonna be a lot of voter suppression stuff going on. Yeah. So are really on the pulse of that or whatnot um and so just getting those groups up and running or whatnot and our our uh, service groups and all of our religious groups so re 
Rethink, UKIRK, all the ones that are connected to these denominations, they've kind of started their Bible studies and their weekly meetings, which I'm glad for. So campus is kind of buzzing or booming with virtual activity or some small, very small in-person activity. I think some of the things that I'm looking towards is Latinx Heritage Month. I'm really okay. trying to think through how to celebrate that virtually. Um, so many of the uh, Latinx yeah. students, they really want their own space. So just giving them opportunities to kind of share their experiences as first gen students is what I'm looking to do. And also many of them want to have conversations about how COVID has affected their community. In South Carolina, about 31% of the COVID cases have been Latino um, mm. and Latinx. So, when I, so for as much as it has deeply affected the African-American community, it has really affected the Latino community. Many of them are essential workers. They're on the front lines. Right. Many of them are also farmers and farmhands or whatnot. And so even access to some of the healthcare has been real difficult. So we're going to have some organizations to come in virtually and give space to talk about that and also provide some service um, outlets uh, to, uh, you know, a few local churches that are um, Latino and a few local organizations that kind of serve that community. So I'm excited about some of that or whatnot. Um, we also, I'm trying to do a little virtual cooking class but oh, I don't yeah, know. I got it going on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, the student, you know, she makes some good empanadas. So I'm trying to get her to teach it or whatnot. But she kind of is a, she's a, what's the word? She's a, she's a mystic. So she don't really write down her recipes and things or whatnot. Oh, that's, so that's a I whole lesson right there. That's intentional. <laughs> but I need for her to write it down so I can know uh -uh. what to buy. So, no. so we'll see how that pops off or not. A, but... a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> you, and your mom, you know you know uh old folks you, what, what, exactly you and that's exactly that? how she cooked mm -hmm. so i don't know how it's gonna turn out but i'm gonna talk i'm gonna talk to her next week <laughs> on paper. but one thing that i um have you know the the catholic students which before they have you know because i know you're you're over christian diversity at a catholic institution whereas i'm mm -hmm. at a presbyterian institution so the Catholic students often feel very isolated. But one of the things they came to me to do was something for Latinx Heritage Month. And they really want to do a program about Bishop Oscar Romero. So, you okay. know, I jumped yeah. on that. Now, I'm excited about that. I think they're thinking about, you know, the summer that we've had, which I'm sure we're going to talk about before. It has a lot of our students really thinking about race, really thinking about inclusion, and how their organizations may lack inclusion or whatnot. And so I think a lot of the programming that I'm seeing this semester that students are trying to plan is really reflecting that. And so that makes me happy that, you know, even outside of the classroom, they still want to be somewhat engaged and somewhat involved. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm very proud of how they're, you know, rolling with the punches, particularly, like I say, not only did we have a pandemic, but we also had a lot of major changes yes. in my department. So many yes. people left. And so students have really been doing the bulk of the work. But even outside of that, like you say, reminding students to rest, reminding students to breathe. I've had to schedule one-on-ones with first-year students because many of them are having trouble connecting. Yeah. Um, they're having trouble really settling into campus. A lot everything of everything is different, right? Exactly. A lot of yeah. the opening rituals that you would get to meet people and to kind of engage people, they didn't really get to do that this first year. So I've been doing one-on-ones, just kind of going down the list, just setting up 15 to 20 minute meetings in the student center to sit, talk, see what their interests are. And I've been sending uh, upperclassmen to kind of set up meetings with them and just set up time to hang out with them, you know, based on, you know, oh, I think you would be, you like playing video games? Well, I know a student, you know, um, I think this would be a good, <laughs> a good fit for you. So just trying to do more of that, more of the one-on-one -on -one conversations since we can't do the group meetings. And that's been really helpful. And then lastly, the big part of it is just crisis. 
the real crisis management part of chaplaincy, which is, you know, when students, you know, when the bottom falls out, when it's just the fan or whatnot. Yeah. Um, be hitting a lot more in these first three weeks or whatnot. Really having students who are strongly considering withdrawing, really having students who are just acknowledging that their mental health is not well, really having students who are just um, acknowledging that they have experienced a lot of death this year, that they're still, you know, trying to wade through and figure out. So all of those pieces, I think I've probably experienced it more of it in the past four weeks than I did my entire first year last year. Wow. And so just figuring out how to like just be a calm presence. That's really the the, the best thing I can offer. That calm in this part is important, right? <laughs> calm presence, like everybody calm down and let's just figure out what our steps are forward. But that has probably been, you know, the majority of the job these past couple of weeks. So when I, yeah. you know, serving students who are in quarantine making sure that their meals are delivered to them or whatnot. And then also students who have to go home, making sure that they have the resources to get home, making sure they have what they need when they do get home. So yeah. I enjoy it, but it's definitely, I've learned a lot too. Yeah, Cause um, you're embodying two very distinct roles, right? Both in chaplaincy work and then also multicultural. Yes. With yeah. one check, beloved. <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> let's tell the truth and shame. The so as I'm, Cause I'm, as I'm listening, I'm like, wow, like, yes. in those, a lot of the pieces that you said is what uh, is handled in MEC, right? What we call our multi-ethnic education and engagement center, where I'm there to support those things, right? So our virtual lounge, there to support students, right? Bob two students, or our Black Action Through Unity, there to support it. But wow, like you're doing all that work. Yeah, that's wow. Well, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a much smaller campus. And, you know, there have been some articles just about the way the way small campuses is just going to be impacted in these small towns yeah. or whatnot. So many of the hiring things that I think people had hoped to do last year, you know, around expanding, expanding our college and expanding some departments around diversity and different pieces. I'm not sure when any of that stuff is going to happen. And so a lot of jobs have been collapsed. Um, you know, we had a new hire last year. She was hired primarily for first gen. But because she is a woman of color, her and I have had to work so closely together um, to really basically be the multicultural center, (laughs) you know, um, to just make sure that when black and brown students, you know, and even some some bit of Asian students that we have, that they actually get what they need. Because so many of them, they just struggle with being transparent in other spaces. You know, they really struggle with actually saying what's going on and actually saying what's happening. So, you know. COVID, you know, it's affecting everybody, but it's affecting everybody so differently. So that student who may be first gen, but they live with their grandparents, it's going to be a lot different if we send them home versus that student who they can go home to a five bedroom house and they can be on one end of the house and their parents can be completely on the other end versus that student who he lived with grandma and seven other people, you know, in a trailer, (laughs) you know, and so being able to, and sometimes they may not want to tell that to that professor. They may not want to tell that to the dean or whatnot. But if you sit down in the office long enough and stare at them with a Pepsi, they'll tell it to you <laughs> or whatnot, you know, or like, this is what's going on. This is why mm-hmm. I can't or whatnot. And so her and I, we've had, we really had to work closely. And I really learned the power of collaboration. Like, I think before I was definitely a Lone Ranger and let me just do what I need. Let me set up this Google Doc and get it done. <laughs> but, you know, if I tell you what, COVID, what have you, like, I need some lifelines. How to share resources. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I Y'all think been that working is... throughout the summer, right? Yes. So we did. Right. It was a, a difficult summer, but it was a blessing because I know, you know, that was not the case on everybody's campus. But we did, you know, we did work through the summer. Does it, does it maybe look like it now? I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> but but we were definitely trying to plan, trying to think through. But it was also very traumatic, if I'm being honest. You know, wow. because every week, from week to week, we just didn't know. We just didn't know if this was going to be it or if this, you know, like it was, we were literally, you're sitting on your email every week, waiting for another town hall meeting, waiting for another email. You just didn't know what was going to happen. So it was not an easy summer. It was not a calm summer at all. It was very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's been the biggest piece of like navigating it, especially uh, a lot of folk just not even knowing how the fall semester was going to unwind. Right. Like we had no idea. A lot of us didn't know until the week before <laughs> or the week of. Yeah, I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just navigating right. on that is just, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so um, interesting for students and for all of us. I don't know. I mean, just like the what you said, and, and I, I don't know, my, my brain definitely stuck on the part that you brought up again about figuring out how to kind of get students engaged around voting which we're gonna have to do on another episode for certain but like just to think about rocky like we're we're gonna have to go through and we are going through an election cycle in the midst of a pandemic (laughs) like how do we how do we navigate that with our students right absolutely Um, and how do we communicate and while being respectful of our jobs right absolutely maintaining those boundaries but also communicate to some degree, how the current administration has allowed for this pandemic, right? <laughs> right? Just figuring out ways to, to, to show that. We're going to get into it, because I, I have a lot of thoughts. So many of my, you know, the most interesting conversation I had Tuesday at Fishbowl, because the politics piece, it just came up, you know, students, once you let them talk about what they want to talk about, they're going to talk about it. But the biggest piece that came up in that is just the local elections. We're finding that students are really just figuring out how important these local elections are. Like right. students had never thought about, when, you know, who their mayor is. But now, whether or not your mayor passed a mask ordinance determines a lot. Right. <laughs> um, you, know, and, you know, and they never really thought about, you know, who their sheriff or who their coroner or who their whatever is. Um, and so I definitely, how we're mobilizing students, it needs to be a conversation. Because I'm, I'm very fearful of this voter by mail stuff, you know, and just what it's going to look like. I feel like this is going to be one of the first times that, you know, many students are going to be disappointed. And this is this will be both of our first times working because we weren't, we weren't on college campuses for the 2016 election, right? Correct. Correct. Not, you know, we weren't working there. So I'm just interested to see what we the campus is going to look like. Yeah, we were in churches. <laughs> it was different, child. We had to talk about that. Story, yeah. We had to talk about We had four episodes here, but anyway. <laughs> Help us but today, anyway. Father. But, no, but, um, but it, it's. I think it's. I think it's going to matter because I. I'm interested because I know how 2016 felt. Like I said, when we was working in churches, I know how it felt when we were at our house. I'm really interested in how it's going to feel on this college campus. I'm as hopeful as to be, you know, as could be expected. <laughs> but, but you know, I just, I'm wondering how it's going to land. And like you say, and still in the middle of a pandemic, like, you know, that's the reality of it. We're still in a, I mean, they're talking about more deaths to come. And that's yeah. just, hate to be morbid, but that's just what, you know, that's, that's just what is being predicted right now. But personally to heal, I've really gotten into the Shine app, which I would encourage, you know. Um, you we ain't got no sponsors day. yet, but. They charge you that $59. Like, oh, oh, for real? Oh, it okay, is good, it's, though. It's it is, though. It's worth it. 
are you enjoying it? I am. I am. Yes, I really enjoy it. I think it's it's made by women of color or black yeah. and indigenous women of yeah. color. And they give a meditation each morning. You can do a check-in each morning. Maybe something to read or maybe a little, a little yeah. mantra you can write. And then you do a nightly check-in and you can even do a sleep ritual. And that app has been so helpful for me for whatever reason. It's, you know, I tried the Calm app because so many people recommend it, but it just didn't resonate with me as much as the Shine app did. So that has been very helpful for me. And also, I had to get back to our um, meditating while black. So I started a little mm-hmm. playlist, and Dustin adds to it every now and then. <laughs> but um, it's called like meditating while black. Every yes, morning, yeah. uh, and that's what I have to do to kind of ease into my day. Or when I, it's, I mean, it got everything on it. Um, Stevie Wonder, The Secret Life of Plants, Sade, uh, Greg uh, Reporter, Greg D'Angelo. It got a little bit of everybody. And so that's just, I listen to that. Uh, the Jamila Woods. Um, oh yes, that's they, uh, our girl. Yes, uh, giving today my daily bread. That's that's my uh, alarm, even right. So my morning alarm. That's how you Give wake up. Today my daily bread. I know that's right. You know, I woke up this ready. morning with my mind. <laughs> right, stayed on loving me. Come on, I know that's right. So that's been really helpful for me because yeah, like just things that I can do, or you know, to to actually just keep my feet on the ground. Because sometimes even when your feet are on the ground. You can literally feel like they are not. This year has been the first year where my I felt that in my body, where it's like, I feel like I'm not here. Yeah. Oh, not on. And so I just have to be able to do those things that keep me in tune with my breathing, you know, that allow me to close my eyes even before I go to bed or whatnot. And, you know, those things that just help me ease into the day. I found that I was going into the day just at break wind speed, and I just have to ease slowly into my day right. or whatnot. And I do hope I've been you know, going back and forth everywhere from mama's house to everywhere else. So when I um, lost my dad earlier this year, mm-hmm. so me and mama been figuring it out as roommates <laughs> during this quarantine, <laughs> but, but, you know, but I done found some housing close to the campus because, you know, COVID is real and I'm not trying to get my mama sick. That's so, weird. so, you know, I, I do, I am kind of grateful for that innocence and I'm hopeful that I can get back into an exercise routine because I will say like, I just feel it in my body. Like I feel that. Yeah, like I'm not putting my body first <laughs> as yeah. a result of work and everything else. So I'm hopeful I can get back into that. Yeah. So, and y'all let us know what y'all doing to heal yourselves, to heal y'all campuses. We always be looking for ideas, you know, you know, so we can put in our little Google Docs. That's what we do in higher ed. Uh, so you just let us know what <laughs> we love a Google Doc. <laughs> so you just y'all let us know what y'all are doing because I mean we got to take care of each other, y'all. We all we got around here. So we're gonna call it every week. We're gonna have to go to the Google Doc and, and pull out something uh, that y'all done told us. You know, let's go to the doc. Yes, that's the comment. The, the comment is gonna be the Google Sitting Doc. On the dock of the bay. <laughs> When y'all hear that intro, y'all know what's about to happen. We going That's to that crown and cranberry. Hey, that's where the ideas start coming in. Rocky, what's your um what's your healing word for this week? Give the people a healing word. They need a healing Dude. word. Mm, let me see. I think my healing word would be, you know, what I just told my my sister cousin, but when I she has been going through an interesting time and I, you know, hopefully she won't be too pissy with me when I but She's one of those that are in graduate school. They're about to graduate. It's been a really interesting year. And just the employment piece, the employment piece has been so difficult. I, I just feel so bad for all of our recent grads who are looking for work right now. Mm-hmm. It's just been a tough time or whatnot. And so I think, you know, the piece of advice that I gave her, you know, was that, you know, you don't have to force what is supposed to come to you. 
you know, I have been there. I know people who have been there where it seemed like every door you're trying to open just will not open up. Whatever, you know, you're like, I know I'm qualified. I know I have the credentials. I know I have the education. Why is this door not opening for me? Why is this not happening for me? And sometimes it just may be divine wisdom or the divine spirit. It just may be God just giving you space to rest, (laughs) giving you space to decompress, giving you space to actually sit and discern what your next move and what your next step is. So, you know, just my word is just really to, you know, to just trust whatever is on the other side of this difficult moment. Mm. Don't feel like you have to bust open a door, but really, you know, sit, discern and, you know, and patiently wait or whatnot and trust that whatever doors you're supposed to walk through that they're going to open for you. And I think a lot of people are struggling with that right now. You know, sometimes we make decisions in panic and not in purpose. And so make decisions from, you know, a place of purpose and not from a place of panic. And if you find yourself in panic, then just sit still, you know, and keep calm or whatnot and really sit and center yourself. So you don't want to make decisions from that place. Whatever. What's your closing blessing? My, my, my. My listen, I uh I saw this quote black women from the nap ministry. Oh I yes. Uh I, I try to follow them. This they maybe a couple so they days. They doing ago. the Lord's work. Listen, Amen. and they they posted a a meme that says exhaustion will not create liberation. Mm. And I had to see that in the in the middle of doing the absolute most. Mm. <laughs> Because I've been doing the absolute most for the past week in terms of not caring for myself. I've been running and running and running and trying to handle this, that, and third. But seeing that made me, you know, realize that I'm already talking about doing the work of liberation and the work of justice. And I cannot do that if I'm not healthy and whole. I cannot do that if I'm out here looking tired, busted, and disgusted, right? So (laughs) if I'm going to bring my best self to this work, I got to have some energy, right? I got to have some life. You know, it's something we'll talk about later on, right? But we watched King in the Wilderness and how they talked about, you know, Mm. King having the heart of a, you know, 60-something-year-old. Right, right. And so out here doing this work, and of course, did a great, right? We're not taking from the legacy of Dr. King, but it was tiring. It was exhausting, right? right? And that uh, realizing that we are only one person and we can't, we can't solve the world by ourselves helps you to slow down, right? Yeah. <laughs> we have to talk about that for real because I tell you what, that's one of my self-care pieces too is reading. And I've been reading that Prathia Hall biography by Dr. Courtney Pace. You, t- I mean, an amazing woman, but you're talking about a tired woman. Yeah. And that's what right. you have to say the truth on You that. said she was like traveling from, you know, place to place, right? Um, I mean, at one point was, it seemed like about no two miles. Yeah, from Long Island, New York to Princeton, New Jersey to do her PhD and then also pastoring in Philadelphia, which I mean, yes, it's still the tri-state. And then at one point was pastoring in Philadelphia and doing her PhD, I guess, you know, she was through with her uh, having to be there in person. So it was probably doing her dissertation work and traveling to Ohio to work at United. So doing that back and forth each week and had a few accidents that caused a lot of health complications, but was still doing that work because she had to feed, you know, had to feed her family. And, you know, it was purposeful work, right? When it was, you know, necessary. But yeah, that book has really made me sit with myself, (laughs) you know, in in a lot of ways, like you say, of just around like really self-care and exhaustion. That's really the only, that's the best word for it. Like, you know, like how can you really do this work when you are exhausted yourself? So that's a good word. Exhaustion will not create liberation. Thank you, Nap Ministry. Y'all follow them on Instagram at the Nap Ministry because they really do give 
a good word. And they we really thank God for it. No, absolutely. Well, listen, because uh, the hour is, is far spent and um, there is yet still work to do. So y'all continue to check us out. We hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> it's definitely like, random. Subscribe, out. Listen, <laughs> like, subscribe, share. We don't even know what to say. Like, subscribe, share. And we're not, we may try to do a, a something, a social media or something. Dustin is a graphics and a marketing uh, guru. So I'm sure he'll come up with some things. I mostly just get on this microphone and talk, honey. That's what I do. That's what and I talk do. You do. And you are great at it. You know, <laughs> whatever. You are great at it, really. But we'll try to see y'all a couple times a month. We'll check in, or when you know. And this is really it's the sacred spot. So, you know, being sacred is about truth telling. It's about honoring yourself. It's about honoring the work you do and what you bring to a space, or whatnot. And we just felt that this was something that was needed for higher ed professionals. Both of us kind of came into this field, and I'm sure at some point in a couple of these episodes, we can share our journeys um, into this work. But we definitely did not see a lot of models of how to do this work, I think, in a, um, in a justice-minded, in a liberative sense, right? Um, definitely saw some models um, and some amazing models or whatnot. But, you know, we just wanted to really begin that conversation of how to do this work and how to do this work well, particularly in the era of COVID-19, um, but even beyond here. Because let's be real, to be Black in higher ed has always been a crisis of sorts. So let's just be clear about that. <laughs> you know, to be Black anywhere has always been a crisis of sorts. Uh, oh so let's just talk about it or not. So hopefully y'all tune in and we'll see you soon. Amen. Y'all be good. See you next time. Thanks for listening. The Sacred Spot seeks to provide a brave, open, welcoming, and affirming space for Black faith practitioners and higher institution professionals to develop restorative practices rooted in healing and wholeness from an African diaspora-centered perspective. Be sure to like, subscribe, review, and share.